I used to do a lot of lecturing for work, a lot of public speaking. And on one occasion, I watched a QC, a, um, a lawyer, a very, very eminent lawyer, speak in the House of Lords for day and a half, two days, and he spoke from a piece of paper that big. He had key words on there, and he knew, and each of those key words triggered thoughts, triggered things he wanted to raise with the court. I've always wanted to do that, have key words, just ten of them or so, and speak, and just let what happens happen. I've never quite had the courage. Um, but one of these days I will, because there are key words in the gospel and in our lives within the church that could give us a whole sermon in, in themselves. I'm going to tell you a story now um, about youthful folly, my youthful folly. About uh, 60 years ago, when I was 17, I'll now pause to let you work out how old I am now. Um, about when I was about 17, the church we belonged to used to run youth camps and things outside of itself for the youth and the children. And one of these um, camps was in the Wirral in Cheshire. And because there were insufficient seats in the cars of the church members who were taking us there and back, a friend and I volunteered to hitchhike. That's the folly bit. Um, we volunteered to find our own way, way there and back. A neighbour, a lorry driver, took us all the way up to the top of the M1 and then he found another lorry driver to take us another 50 or 60 miles further on and eventually we found ourselves on a country lane in the middle of the night, pitch black, and we didn't really know where we were. And we had a map of sorts. And we were walking along uh, and we heard somebody following us. And we looked at the um, brief directions we had and we stopped. And whatever was following us, whoever was following us, stopped. So we thought, this doesn't feel too good. So we carried on walking. And then we looked at our notes again and stopped. With the we used the torch. And the footsteps, the noises stopped with us again. This went on for some time until we reached... Um, a break in the, the hedge that was we were going alongside. And then a herd of cows let out an almighty bellow and we jumped out of our skins. But that was the worst of the journey. Apart from that, we found our way there. We don't know how. And on the way back, we did the same thing. We had to walk. Somebody gave us a lift and we found... We were, we were walking for long distances. And then we found ourselves in North London and 
the last journey we had, we were on the back of a meat lorry. And it was empty, but it was an old meat lorry. And when we got off the meat lorry in Edmonton, we got on a bus to make the final journey home. And all of the people on the bus got off. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> but that's a journey. And we did that journey. We prayed before we left, and the congregation prayed for us and everybody else. And we set out with no real idea of where we were going, but we were trusting God to go with us. We relied on other people in our journey. If we had a map, and I can't really remember whether or not we did, many unexpected things happened. And looking back, I realized that the Lord was with us. We went through so many things and yet that could have gone wrong, and yet he was with us. So, journeys with Jesus is a very, very real and powerful subject. There is a scripture that says all things work together for good to those that love God. And although we may not always see our Saviour, he is there. And although we may not always see his hand at work in our lives, he is there. And he is supporting and helping us. The word journey portrays human experience, history, and describes brave undertakings against the odds, like hitchhiking, uh, David and Goliath, the Jewish exodus from Egypt. In modern times, we have people who are forced to leave their homelands. They, there are flights from poverty or violence. These are all journeys, and they need courage and help and God is interested in them. Other journeys are less traumatic. Going to university, job relocations, moving to support family. These all need courage as well. They are conscious choices. Some journeys are very much more difficult than others. Think of the ones that Jesus himself went on the flight into Egypt. He journeyed to his baptism. He journeyed to the wilderness where he was tested. He journeyed with the disciples for three years. I, I always wondered what it was like to be with Jesus on, for those three years. There was a, one of the um, religious epic films showed a picture of Jesus, Robert Powell was the actor, and they were going through a country scene, a country road, and they had their arms round each other, they were laughing, they were joking, they were happy, and right in the middle of them was Jesus, smiling and laughing. And I often think, do we fully understand just what Jesus meant to those disciples and just 
how he feels about us in exactly the same way. Scripture tells us that having loved his own, he loved them to the end. To the end doesn't mean a point in time, necessarily. It also means to the fullest extent possible. Jesus loves us to the fullest extent possible. And he is with us in our journeys, whether we recognize him and realize it or not. Now, the story that was read about the men on the road to Emmaus is a great example of that. The question was never whether Jesus was with them. It was whether they had the capacity to recognize him. They first of all saw him as a stranger. Then, as he journeyed with them, a companion. Then, as he taught them, they saw him as a teacher. Then as a guest, as they shared a meal with them. Then, as the blinkers fell from their eyes, they saw him as their risen Lord. This is often, in my experience, how people progress to faith from no faith. I've seen it in many people. You might question why, as soon as he was recognized, Jesus disappeared, left them. Perhaps he was going ahead of them to where they would return. Perhaps he was leaving it up to them to decide what their response would be to the things he had taught them and shared with them. It's the same for us. On reflection, how did I hitchhike nearly 300 miles in each direction without a map, <laughs> without very much of anything? How did I do it? I recognize now that it was because Jesus was with me on that journey. From a young age, I was taught to invite Jesus' presence with me at all times. Perhaps over the years, I could have been more diligent. I could have taken him at his word more often. Jesus asked the two travellers if he could join them. He still asks, even as I am speaking, if he can join us. Think about the prodigal son story. That's a story of journeys, of being separated, the son leaving home, taking all of his money, the far, half of his father's money with him, and then finished up, wasting it all and feeding the pigs. As I, as I read that again recently, I've, I... I sort of named him pig-headed. It's what he was, pig-headed. And then he realized what he, was, what he was doing, what he had done, and he sought reconciliation, not as a son, but as a servant. 
And the story tells us that the father was on the rooftop looking out for him. And as soon as he saw him, he rushed out and he put a ring on his finger, a symbol of authority, a symbol of being again the father's son. Jesus watches out for us from far off maybe, but he watches us from the beginning of our lives to the end. He wants to be with us at all times. Sometimes we can be pig-headed. I I could call for a straw poll. If anyone here thinks they are not sometimes pig-headed, could you put your hands up? I didn't think you would. And if somebody had, everybody else would have said, oh, yes, you are. Because we are. We're pig-headed. Sometimes. Jesus wants us to return to him, even if our separation is less extreme than the prodigal son. He is always seeking us to be with him. Many, of the, many are the paths in this congregation that have been, con, uh, have been accompanied by our Lord. I'm really running out of time and I've got so much I want to say. I, I believe in speaking from personal experience. Um, Sometimes sermons can be learned treatises on, on a subject. They can be academic. They can be textbook um, experiences of being taught. But I've always thought we learn best from each other's experiences. So I'll give you an example. We used to live in Devon for a long time and Anne and I came up to Norfolk on holiday. We were actually looking for another house. We prayed that God would be with us in our journey to protect us and be with us as we were looking at some, for somewhere to, new to live. We asked him to guide us in our journeys and in our choices. Our car was an old Jeep, lovely car, wasn't particularly safe. Um, And to prove it, it broke down. And we were given by the garage a nice new modern car. As we were journeying back to where we were staying, we were at the, t- the, f- the, at the front end of a long line of traffic and coming towards us was another line of traffic and the person driving the car three cars back in the other line suddenly pulled out and just drove straight into the front of us. It was... a a closing speed of between 80 and 100 miles an hour. 
The car was a write-off. And the policeman who turned up to view the scene thought we would be dead. And thought I was dead. And we were taken off to hospital. And in those days, I hated hospital. I feared hospital. I didn't like hospital. Throughout that experience, we both felt calm. In hospital, we felt calm. I even felt calm when the nurses put my bed in the broom cupboard because there wasn't enough room in the ward. The policeman thought we would be dead. I believe our prayer was answered. We were protected by God in several ways. First of all, he made sure that we were not in an accident driving our old car because we would be dead. We were in a new car and it was one was state-of-the-art for safety features. The whole of the front end of the car was crumpled. The policeman thought we would be dead. When we analyse our lives, Christians can see how many times and how many places where Jesus has been with them. It's a wonderful thing. Paul's experience on the road to Damascus, he was off to persecute even more Christians. He was met by Jesus and he was healed of his hatred. And from then on, Jesus and he became inseparable travellers together. He became the greatest disciple of all. His journeys with Jesus from then on were such an important factor in that early church. The same things happen in our lives when we ask Jesus to travel with us. Whether we are well or unwell, rich or poor, brave or timid, we just need to ask him often. One of my favourite scriptures is, again from Paul, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can never make up my mind if it's saying Christ is strengthening me or my belief in Christ strengthens me. It's probably both. And I believe that totally. This is the most wonderful promise it can be tested and proved. You can, we can all prove it. It should be every Christian's daily prayer. Jesus will journey with us if we seek him. I'm coming to the end, you might be glad to hear. Courageously journeying with Jesus will enable us to obtain Sorry, I can't read my own writing. Will enable us to be led daily by the Spirit. That's why I need ten key words and I wouldn't have to read my own writing very much. We, we, courageously journeying with Jesus will enable us to be led by the Spirit. This will result 
in going where he goes, seeing as he sees and acting as he acted. I pray that God will bless you in your journeys with him as you walk with the Lord in the light of his word. I pray that you will be blessed. <laughs>